Foster Care Nation. Listen up. This is Foster Care and Unparalleled Terminator. Strength for the powerless. Courage for the fearful. Hope and healing for wounded hearts. Welcome back to Foster Care, an unparalleled journey with Jason and Amanda. And today we have brought to you guys a special guest. We have Tracy Lamori with us. Tracy is a hope. Hi. Yeah, I'm going to say that again. <laughs> Tracy is a high profile international award winning publicist, is the founder and managing director of Lamori Media Incorporated, a universal women's network. 2020 Woman of Inspiration winner for the Women in Media Award and the author of the upcoming book, Get Wrapped, Build Your Brand with Effective Public and Media Relations. She is a well-known longtime advocate on a myriad of important worldwide issues and an award-winning publicist working across industries from major entertainment projects to small businesses. Tracy is passionate about amplifying important messages and being a voice for those who need one. Recognized by media around the world for a 20-year campaign that ultimately helped free an innocent man from death row to her work getting clients major media attention and for her local community work, she is a winner of the first place Platinum Award Hamilton Spectator Reader's Choice for PR 2018. A frequent guest on TV, radio, and high-profile podcasts around the world on topics of leadership, empowerment, and entrepreneurship as well as aspects of media and public relations. And if that wasn't enough, sorry, it was a long intro. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> <way too> long. <laughs> if that wasn't enough, she's also figured out how to find her way into our world as well because she has some real connection with adoption. How are you doing today, Tracy? Very good. Thank you so much for having me here. Can you just tell us a little bit about how you got connected with adoption and and what role that plays in your life? Yeah, it's on a whole bunch of different points. Um, so I wasn't adopted myself, but when I was 24, I met my husband. I'm now 51. We've been married 26 years. And he did not know he was adopted. As far as he knew, um, he, he was raised by his father, um, his mother who died when he was three years old. And then her grand, her mother came into the picture, her elderly mother. So ultimately he was raised by his grandmother who was you know, in her 70s and 80s when he was a teenager. Um, and she had and she had made his father promise, don't tell Dave that he's adopted, because in her mind, you know, old school, you didn't always tell, you didn't always share that. And also because her daughter, the woman who had adopted Dave's mom, had died when she when he was only three. In her, you know, she feared that he would grow up not thinking of that as his real mom. And she wanted to make sure that he had the connection with his mom who had adopted him and loved him and raised him to the point where, I mean, she moved houses because there was a car accident in the neighborhood, you know, when he was a baby. So she was like, oh, I don't think that's a safe street that he's going to be crossing on his way to school every day. So she packed up and sold their house and got a new house. So the new baby in three years would be able to. So that was her sign. Her pat, you know, they she adopted late in life and she was passionate about being a mom. And her mom came in to help, you know, help his dad 
who was kind of at a loss, you know, working full time, raised him when he was a three, four. He was very smart and, you know, probably not the easiest kid to raise. These days we would call it Asperger's or, you know, Spectrum. But in those days they called it hyperactive and, and, and brilliant, basically. They said he was super smart, but like hyper and, you know, difficult to manage. And so his dad without the wife, you know, was kind of at a loss. So his his ex or his mother-in-law, not ex-mother-in-law, the mother-in-law, the mother of his his wife who had died came in and picked up the slack and, you know, helped not the two of them raised Dave. So that's what he knew as his family, literally his whole life up till he was 24. And he, funnily enough, he even, he had a picture of his mom that adopted him and she looks convincingly like him with curly hair. And, you know, so he always, he had no inkling ever that what he was not, you know, the birth child of the family. And then when it happened, when we got married, we literally, call, you know, we call, he was literally phoning his dad to say, hey, I'm, I got married. You know, this girl that you met once, I, we, we met nine months ago. And he was literally saying, don't worry, she's not pregnant. And just was, we had literally just met, it was almost 10 months and we were deciding to get married like on the dime. So he was literally just calling his dad and he's like, and his dad is older. So his dad was, is 90 now. His dad would have been 75 or something at the time. So there's Dave literally calling, I'm sitting beside him on the sofa and he's calling his dad saying, you know, um, I, 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 I'm getting married. Don't worry, she's not pregnant or anything. And then for some reason, Dave says, I don't know why he never asked before. He's like, by the way, what happened with me? Because just thinking that you guys got married, you know, that you, you had me late. What happened with me? And literally on the phone, out of nowhere, he tells him, oh, well, you know, you're not really my son in that way. <laughs> and Dave's like, and I didn't hear what he said because I was only sitting beside Dave, didn't hear his part of the conversation. But do you know what's weird? Like when I heard Dave say, what happened with me? And I couldn't hear the answer, but I saw Dave be cool, like, what? I literally went, oh, my God. And I heard before he didn't have to tell me, I knew what his dad just told him. And there would have been no inkling before. But I was like, oh, my God. So just by the look on Dave's face. But he looked like he didn't really believe it. He's like, wait, what? Because, I mean, he looks like the mother. He'd never heard that his whole life. The grandmother, like, I mean, he was brought up. He was, you know, spoiled pretty much. You know what I mean? He was never an inkling. No one ever said, you're not my, nothing, right? And then all, all of a sudden, at that moment, and, and why did he never bring it up before? Because granny made me not tell you granny had died like a year before this and he said granny always made me never tell you but now granny was dead so i guess when dave asked him the direct question he answered so we're like what so all of a sudden dave's 24 that's a bit of a head uh, spin you know you're like wait a minute what you know and you know he just sent all the information he had which was a private adoption so there was literally the name of a lawyer there was nothing to look up. You went and signed up with the registry. Would they connect you or whatever, if there's any connection? But we never, we, we didn't hear from that. And he had asked his dad, well, what's the name? Of and finally, he got the name of the lawyer. And it was like, the, <laughs> it was literally the, the like a skin of our teeth that we got the information because the lawyer had just retired and was literally, like, like, I don't know what happened to the documents after that. But as far as I know, there was no like repository for them. And he, we were able to get him to fax over uh what the literally a one pager which had the name of the mother at the time of birth the date of birth of the hospital which is women's college hospital in toronto where my son was also born later and um and and the name of the birth mother's father and the fact that the birth mother had a couple of you know siblings they said they had but didn't name the siblings just the number of siblings and the gender of the siblings so that was it we had the information that the you know some and identifying information that the father had been in the army at some point or something. So that's the only point that we might be able to find something. So for years, 
we looked and didn't find anything, didn't look desperately or anything, but he was just, huh, that's kind of interesting. And now that I know that, I kind of want to find that out. He wasn't going to look for mommy or anything like that, but he just thought, well, that's interesting to know. Maybe now that I know this, maybe there's a woman out there who, you know, always wondered what happened to that kid she gave up. And I just wanted to know that things actually went really well. And I want to thank her that, you know, that was a good decision. I had a great family and I'm further, I'm, you know, I got married now. This is when we were 25 or 24 still, or, or a bit later on. That we, sorry, we just found out when he was 24. So we're like probably 30 by the time we're getting this information, but whatever it is, he wanted to say it was a good decision. If you ever regretted it or wondered what happened, you did good. I don't have any resentment. I have a family of my own and I have a kid of my own and I'm happy and I'm doing pretty good anyway. You know, I'm pretty good. So that's all he, he was thinking. I, he was, it was like, he was feeling that it would be a good thing to let that person know that. That was his sort of motivation. That sounds like it'd be something really overwhelming for him to deal with. Yeah. And I guess, you know, in looking back, like, I mean, he didn't act like it really was. We looked up every once in a while and there wasn't information. But, you know, I mean, clearly when you look back at how it must have, I mean, might have mind thing to just not know that until all of a sudden, you know. So that was he just like you know when you don't like imagine you live your whole life with one reality and then all of a sudden it's like whoa so yeah that was kind of that was our introduction to it and it took a few you know it was years that he between the time that he found that and there was no action with us finding the people or anything so he didn't jump right into like that he had kind of years to sort of think what do I want to you know yeah and it kept bugging him I guess well you know I want to at least know where I came from and let that person know that it was all cool yeah. That was a good decision. Wow. Yeah. And in today's world, you know, it's a lot easier to find that stuff out. You know, 23 and me. Um, uh, what's the other one? Oh, ancestry. ancestry. Yeah, yeah. And stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. This would have been, we got married in 1994. So I don't know. I'm sure I think it was, I mean, probably you could call a genealogist to pay a thousand dollars in those days, but that wasn't the norm. It wasn't, you know, it was the early days of the internet. I came, we got our first computer, I think two years after that and got on the internet. So it was still, you know, yeah. Early in terms of, and I don't know what they were doing, whatever it was, it was probably super expensive. And But we contacted, you know, the registry in Ontario, the Canadian Adoption Registry, and they had, you know, whatever, if you've signed up and they've signed up, they'll do this and they'll tell you. And they, we, I think eventually, like years after we found them, we got, eventually got some kind of match up through that. Hey there, Foster Care Nation. We'd like to take a quick minute to step out of the podcast here and ask you guys for a little bit of support. If you could share an episode with people, friends, in a group, with family, anywhere where there's somebody who would like to hear this. Also, if you'd like to join us and support our mission, a couple dollars a month would be really helpful. You can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash foster care nation. Now back to the show. that said, oh, there's an ant or something like that. But by then we we ended up finding them online again. Every once in a while, it wasn't like a driving force really, but every once in a while he'd look again, he'd search and see if there was anything. And at one point they found they found the name of the of the what would have been his birth grandfather, the mother, the father of the mother who had been in the army. So when he died, that there was a match to that name in some online record that popped up from army, you know, a grave or whatever that. And it seemed to match up. He wasn't particularly certain for sure. And for like, he found a phone number of, I guess, the, of the man who died. So I guess we, the widow, the family, and he was sat on that for like six or eight months. 
because what do you do with that, right? He didn't know if they ever knew this would be him contacting the birth, what would be his birth grandparents. That was would be the con, but the father had died, so the birth grandmother was the contact. And he didn't know who would I be contacting? Would I be sending her life into a tailspin? Does she even know her daughter ever had a kid? Would this create some big family drama? Is it really worth it? It's not like he could, he would prefer to reach out to the mother if he could. Especially in a moment when the grandfather had just passed away. That's what we see, right? I think he had died like a little bit before by the time we searched, but still it was fairly new. Like we were probably searching every year, every six months. And then all of a sudden it popped up that a few months ago, oh, look, that's new, you know? But yeah, exactly. What has still been fresh. And, and also Dave was, what do you do? I don't even know if I want to do that. You know, probably it's better to find that. We were looking to see, um, we kept looking at the mother. The mother's name wasn't as common. The name that we had for the mother, or sorry, was was not as uncommon. It was more difficult to find. There were several people with that name. We reached out to a few people with the name of the mother. One of them was the famous author, <laughs> you know, exactly the same name and it actually matched. Not super famous, but I mean, you know, she's fairly well known. And uh, I mean, not like you wouldn't know the name, but I mean, she, if you Google her name, you find three or four books and she was established, right? And she, but the, it all matched with the ages and the times and all, but she was like, oh my, and she was really friendly and actually, oh my, and no, like, I wish I could say it was, but it's really not. But, you know, I have heard of, she said, another person by my same name, because once in a while I get a message for that person looking for that person. It's not, so there is somebody else out there that might be, anyway, so uh, we never tracked it down that way though. And ultimately my husband was like, can you call? Can you call? And I was like, I'm not going to call. What am I supposed to say to this lady or whatever? And he's like, and I don't know, but ultimately he was like, he kept for like another six months, we had the conversation, you know, because he couldn't get up the nerve to call. And then I finally called, but I'm not going to, what am I going to say? So I literally just called and said, is this whatever lady's name? And she said, yep. And I said, oh, do you have a daughter named whatever the name was? Right. And that, and she said, yeah. And I said, well, and, and, and um, she would have been in, you know, and I don't think I didn't even say, I didn't even say anything, but she would have been in Toronto. I think it was just like, and you have a daughter named whatever. And once I knew that, like it was, the, I knew it was correct. And, and three other daughters or something like that, whatever it was. And she was like, yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. Thank you. And she was like, well, who is this? And I was like, oh, um, my husband's going to call you. I'm just doing a program. And she was like, well, about what? And I'm like, oh, my husband's going to call you. <laughs> right. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And then I was like, okay, so that's that. And then, you know, and then he sat on it for like another, who knows, another month or so, whatever. Or maybe he called and I can't remember that, but he ultimately he decided to call her very carefully and see what happened. And so he started to sort of address the conversation, just like, you know, said, did you have a daughter that was here then or whatever? And before he actually got, like, she, it's like she knew, she didn't know. But as he started the conversation, she saw where it was going, the way I felt where it was going on the other. So you know what I mean? So she, he didn't have to break the news verbally. She kind of went like, wait a minute, you know, and she kind of said, wait, is this, you know, something, but she didn't know. She was shocked and she was thrilled. Like She was shocked, but she wasn't surprised inside. Like she was, you know what I mean? Like when she was like, yeah, that fits like that. You know what I mean? Like she'd never heard of it. She was absolutely shocked. She said her, she said her husband would have loved to know that he had a grandson, you know, and that, and she completely like enveloped us. And she, you know, and she's like an older lady, probably 80 ish. Right. And, but she called all of her peers, like all of her sisters and brothers to tell them, Oh my God, I have a grandchild that I didn't know about come and meet them. And they had us come and visit them up in their small town where they were living at. We were like, Oh, we didn't, weren't really trying to like Right, get in the middle of your face. We were just, you know, but they were, she was like super enthusiastic. And our son was like three at the time. And so she, they were like, no, no, come up for Easter. So we went up and she was literally calling like all her sisters and brothers and all the, you know, all her peers, like all her family that she grew up with and everything all and showing 
you know, day of the, gra- the, the graveyard where all the family going back generations was born and pulling up photo albums, showing him like literally, oh, look at this person, and then, you know, going back all these years, and look at this person, look at that person, the genealogy and all that, like going back a hundred years. So she was like really into it. And so that was really good. And we ended up, you know, we, we lived in Toronto at the time where we owned a little house, which is like killer hard to do in Toronto for young people. It did, now it's insane. But um, so for our little, you know, we had like a tiny little, pretty much a, a shotgun shack out in the shop, suburbs worth like crap loads now because somebody who bought it from us, they renovated it. And now I couldn't afford it if I wanted to buy that place probably. But, <laughs> you know, at that time it was a little, because that's how it's like New York City or LA, the way the properties go, right? And um, so anyway, so we we had a little tiny house in Toronto that we, we went to this little town and all of a sudden it was like a kid in a candy store. You guys like we could literally buy at that time. I mean, things have improved. The town is not quite the same now. But at that time, we could sell our little house in Toronto, which we had bought for like before the Toronto boom went crazy. We had bought for like one hundred and twenty thousand and was selling for like two hundred and something thousand, just enough to basically walk away with no money, but to put a lot of money or to put money down to establish ourselves in a cheaper place with a bigger house. You know, so we'd pretty much put our little Toronto house for sale and we and we hadn't planned to. But we went and, you know, we met the family and they all seemed nice. We weren't going going home to hang out with the family. But all of a sudden we saw this little community which opened our minds because we're Toronto City people and we could not believe that we could literally buy. At first we were thinking, oh, wow, for 50000 where our house in Toronto, you know, we can't buy anything. It's crazy. But here you could buy a whole house for 50000 or and have no money that you'd have to pay later. Instead, we ended up... <laughs> falling in love with a century home which we'd never be able to access in Toronto it would be like a seven million dollar home in Toronto at that time but there it was under two hundred thousand just the exact amount of money we would get out of selling our little crappy house in Toronto and putting down so we bought a a three thousand something square foot three-story a hundred year old home that had only had three owners which had all the pocket doors and all the crazy you know like just beautiful and that's what made us go oh my god really oh screw it let's move from toronto and go be the lady of the manor you know <laughs> so it's completely <laughs> ridiculous but it was i mean like ivy on the old stained glass windows like and there's here's my crazy red hair my husband with his curly hair like it was just funny you know what i mean so we just had like we i want to be i want to buy it so we bought it and then that, which, so that's why we moved there. Like, and we thought, that's neat. Our son's free. He'll have this apparently new family that wants to embrace us. And we weren't trying to find a family, but you know, that's cool. Like new people. And if they're blood and they're friendly, like why not? Right. So we thought that'd be neat. Like our kid will grow up. My family was always far away. And my son, my Dave, other than his mom and dad and his grandma didn't have a close family. So that's neat. Maybe our kid will get to be like, Leave it to Beaver, you know, family all around and stuff. So we bought the house and there we were. And then that's where, you know, the other part of the story, how adoption ended up affecting us in a different way comes in when, because um, Dave's birth mother was not there. At this time, Dave's birth mother was living in, up in the state somewhere where she'd been for 30 years. So he'd met her on the phone, you know, a couple of times before we moved. So he'd met the family, which was the grandmother and all her sisters and the extended family and all that. And cousins and everybody else. And they were all like, hey, awesome. We're so excited. And then the birth mother he had only met on the phone. And she seemed to like, oh, hey, son, you know, all positive about it or whatever, too, right? But it would only had only been phone conversations. And then we pack up and we move again, not to go and you know, move to the family or anything, but literally because we just found this like amazing castle that now we can afford in a fantasy land that we never would. So we're like, man, woo-hoo. 
food. We're gone. We're going to have our, our kids going to have a beautiful playhouse on the third floor. It's gonna, like literally, if you look at the picture, it's like, what? You know, we should never have been able to access it, but that's what happens in a little tiny town that's not doing well. But I could work anywhere. I wasn't a publicist then, but I was in sales on the phone, telesales, and I could work wherever. So we could just adapt. My husband went there and worked at a crappy phone center, but whatever. You know, we got to live in a mansion. <laughs> right. So that was <laughs> what we did. And so, um, yeah, you may want to ask more questions here, but this is where it changes and we end up meeting the mom and it goes kind of negative with the birth family as a result. But we end up meeting the 15-year-old who end up becoming our daughter, who we're now engaging in adult adoption of. Wow. Yeah, and I know all about those big old beautiful houses because this one <laughs> that my wife told me I'm going to die in. I don't know if she has a timeline on that yet or not, but... um. <laughs> <laughs> it was built in 190 something. Oh, see, my heart. I miss my man. I, I miss it. I'm now I'm now in Hamilton in like a mid-century split level. And I'm like, mm, I love the house. Like it's I love the rooms and I, but not in that same way where I walked in and I was like every day I felt like I was a steward of it. I, I knew it would outlast me. And it had been there way before me and it would hopefully be there after me. I hope it's still, you know, and because they it was still in its original form in so many ways. So I just felt like I, but I thought I was going to die there too, Jason and Amanda. We we were like, that was pretty much the plan. We bought it. We were like, no, this is our place. This is like, why would we leave this place? You know? Well, when you have seven kids, it's always a question as to whether or not you'll actually, the house will outlive you because <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> five of those are boys. <laughs> yes. Right. Good point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Says the marriage to many. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. We will. Yeah. Seven kids is, um, it's a lot of kids for any house to go through. It's a stretch. Yeah, once they outnumber you, it's all, all, gay, all bets are off, right? You got, We've been outnumbered for a decade then. and a half. Always. <laughs> it's strategy then. That's it. Yeah. Zone defense. It's not man on man. That's for sure. For sure. But, you know, you know, we, we've, in, in our story, you know, we've adopted kids and, and we have, um, we, we have biological kids and, and so we, we kind of run the gamut there, but most of the kids we brought into our house were younger kids. We, we had one, one young guy, how old was, um, was he 15? Yeah. Yeah. When he came and stayed with us for a short time and that was just God telling me, no dummy, you were right. You're not cut out for 15 year olds. You're cut out for little ones. Cause as Amanda can tell you, she'll test. I'm really, really good with like three and four year olds because I am one at heart. <laughs> you know, I, right. yeah, I I'll agree. Some no, but you haven't lost that fun or you lot, you know, you get, you understand what, yeah, it's an important skill. Like it's true. We all talk, we talk down to them. You're probably not talking down to them. You're probably just engaging them. Yeah. We're just hanging out. I need some hot wheels and a, and a little floor mat and we'll go play and have a blast. And that's, that's <laughs> where my mindset is. I, I don't know what that says about me and all that, but you know, that that's been the vast majority of the kids who've been through our house over the years have been in that younger age group. And because honestly, we just, we love them. You know, it, it's the funnest thing. I, if you have an infant who's, who was born addicted, bring them on over, you know, we've done uh, for little infants, you you deal with infants and oh yeah. Yeah. That that's, that's more my world. Give, give me a little, uh, you know, that that's been a, been a blast, but I know that teens, you know, bring their own special set of challenges and we've, we've experienced that because right now we have what two of the seven who's, age who haven't either been in the teens or made it through the teens yet so 
so yeah, we, we've, we've met some teens at this point in our life and it's a lot of challenges, especially when there's some, some enough struggles to work. It ends up needing to leave their first home. So what was that like for you guys to, uh, to bring a kid in who I, I, and I can only assume, you know, I don't know, I don't know your personal story or her story, but I can only assume that there's some level of trauma, even if it's just a loss of a first family. Yeah, for sure. She definitely had trauma from all that. Yeah. Uh, she'd been uh, on her own since 11. And when we met her, she was 15 and they had basically, she, she was in uh, another province. And after, I guess, a couple of years in foster care system, they have, they decide whether to take permanent custody, you know, mother hadn't made whatever moves that were necessary according to the courts to like retain custody back so they were going to make you know a daughter a, you know a permanent order court and so before they do that i guess they look at all the extended family and see who might there be to take her we were not in that quotient at all because on paper we were not family though their blood he'd been adopted out of that family we had just met the family so we weren't even looked at or considered right however we had just moved to this town with this big giant house with five bedrooms in it and literally we were like three two people and a little kid it was ridiculous the space that we had and it was gorgeous and big and impressive and everything for no money and down you know like cheap but it looked you know you know it's a beautiful home ready for anything and um so basically the court when they looked around they they determined before we didn't know about any of this because we wouldn't have been in the conversation um but they determined that the birth grandmother which is my husband's birth mother the lady often a different she was off in the states for the last 30 years you know would potentially if she was willing to come to ontario then maybe she could be the person because she's a close relation by blood to grandmother so but they wouldn't allow that because she didn't have a home in ontario she was gonna have to come and go on social assistance which is a long process before she would get a home so they're not going to give you the kid to come and go to go through that with you until you have a stable home so we were like oh we had never met dave's birth mother other than on the phone we'd met the rest of the family now for a month or so and they all seem nice right we'd never met his birth mother this lady who lived in california for the last 30 years on the phone but now we hear there's an opportunity that if we offer offer the, a place to stay because we just thought wait a minute we have all these rooms so let me get this straight if we say this lady we've never met but who's dave's birth mother and this kid we've never met who's dave's birth niece one coming from a province in ontario or another province and one coming from stateside if we say they can both live at our house together, then um, that per- the, the, her birth grandmother can get custody of her, so she will not go into this foster or the permanent ward of the state. She will come into this extended family who seems nice under the custody of her grandmother, but in our home. So in order to do that, they had to check us out. We had to do the vulnerable children you know, whatever testing that you do, right? So we both went to the police, got a report, my husband and myself, who lived in the house, that everybody's fine, and um, sent pictures of the beautiful bedroom because it's just the nature of that stupid house, right? Gorgeous. Every room was like, each bedroom was like four times the size of my office now, ridiculous. So there, it was like a princess movie. <laughs> you know, we get to show pictures of this beautiful bedroom for this girl coming. So they approved her coming on the strength of our you know we were also part of the quotient from the very beginning though which of the guardian was the was the grandmother anyway long story short they both came we met them both on the same day you know we fell in love with the kid we would, she was you know traumatized and such but she's also hugely strong and a, a credible person like even from when i first met her at 15 and yet you know she doesn't paint it as the bad guy through the foster care it's just, you know the bad guy of the family because it wouldn't happen to her it was easier to like say she was hard to deal with than it was to you know be an adult and deal with your own 
things that had led to all this stuff happening without, I'm not, I don't want to diss anybody or talk badly about people or whatever. Right. I'm grateful for the birth family. Cause I, you know, I, I they made her <laughs> and they kept her alive till she was 11 or whatever. You know what I mean? And so I don't want to diss that, but you know, in, in the, in the it turned into a really painful situation for her. Any interaction was always negative. She was traumatized. She had, you know, she was 11 years old going through foster care, like, you know, so it was challenging and um, it, 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 it did not go better when she was under the new the care of the birth grandmother, who she did not know very well. They stayed with us for about a month or two until the birth grandmother finally got, you know, on the social assistance or whatever, got her own place on the strength of having this kid with a disability living with her, a physical disability. Um, and so she, you know, they went off and we said to, the, to the, her and we saw the we, we kind of we're not impressed with the way that she was treated. So we kind of cut off our communication with um, the birth mother, my husband's birth mother, who was our daughter, now daughter's birth grandmother. And um... Hey there, Foster Care Nation. If you'd like to find yourself in a group with like-minded people, head over to Facebook and you can find us at facebook.com slash groups slash foster care UJ. We've got a group over there where we talk about foster care, we talk about adoption, and we talk about all the things related. If your podcast player allows it, you can also reach down and hit that subscribe button so you get notified every week when we put up uploads. Every Tuesday, a new episode comes out. We'd love to see you next week. Now back to the show. Uh, as a result, the rest of the family, you know, as families often do, they circle around the abuser and not the people that are being abused. You know, that's an unfortunate dynamic sometimes. Keep it in the family, whatever. And so we basically stepped in because we felt that we had a previous responsibility to this kid because we had, sent, you know, said that she could come to our home. We'd sent off the photos. We'd, you know, done the vulnerable children. We made a commitment in our heads that she could stay with us till 18. And we weren't thinking anything beyond that, but we said that we could have this safe space for her till 18. And we're going to commit to that no matter, you know, and obviously, you know, the, the, the abuse was so bad that she, I don't want to speak on that really, but she ended up running away again, which she'd done before in BC and stuff. She ran away from her guardian when she had the, not from us, from her guardian, once they had the different space, you know, it's unsafe situation with a friend, you know, off to a, a local big city, nobody in the family's been that concerned. We were the ones calling all over the place, trying to find her again. She's no blood. She's no legal relation. She, we don't have any responsibility for her, but we were like concerned. So when she, we finally found her and a bunch of other stuff happened, including, you know, you know, authorities getting involved that were not impressed with, with, the, with the, the words and actions of the the supposed guardian and didn't want to return her there. They wanted her to come back with that. So they, when she sent, she came to us at 17, basically, just before she turned 18, she finally came back to a safe place, started to realize, you know, these people actually mean it. These people actually care about me when they are putting themselves in this parental position, even though we weren't talking like that then. These are, like, you know, she wasn't an easy kid to convince. They thought, people always said about her, oh, attachment, this, that, that. she never had any attachment problems. She was not attached to the people that were her supposed guardians because they were not, you know, so was, she was always a loving, caring, smart, brilliant kid that we felt lucky from the beginning to have in our family. And we thought, oh, what are we going to be getting involved with? Like you said, some 15-year-old coming from another province who's been traumatized and been on the streets. God only knows what we're bringing into our house. God only knows what, well, she'd been through drugs. She'd been through all that. But not by the time we met her, she'd already straightened her own shit out at 15 years old. And ever since then, she's been on a, now she's in her third year of school going towards medical school. She's, you know, partnered and she's 28 years old now and pr pregnant with a, a planned and wanted baby and, you know, with a very stable partner, and, you know, 
to try to figure out how she's going to figure out the next year of school so she can go back to so she can keep on her her doctor trajectory you know so this is a kid who and we all know the stats that they say a lot of kids who age out of foster care unfortunately the statistics in canada i don't know what stateside but are often full of frightening numbers about like prison and mental health issues and death and all that stuff and so you know basically she was you know, not in a good situation. And again, I don't want to comment because, you know, it's not on me. People, things happen and people, you know, it's not about people being bad people or whatever. Just things happen that are not healthy and not, you know, good. And we managed to step in and, and you know, our attachment, like we never had a problem with attachment there. We were from the very beginning, we've been calling you. We look back on Facebook now, we're like, wow, we were calling you like our daughter way back in 2011 when she just turned 18, when she was 19. And then at that time, we tried to take it to the courts. We were like, you know, we went and got the document. For, we learned that there was adult adoption. The lawyers said, oh, no, there isn't such a thing. We're like, yes, there is. I did the research and I found it. Now, since then, in 10 years, there's been a few more cases to point to. Back then, it was super rare. The first lawyers we went to were like, that's not a thing. We were like, yeah, look at the law. We were like educating the lawyers in the meeting. So we had done all the paperwork ourselves. We went to submit it in court. And they said, come back with a lawyer. Because it's, you know, a regular, she was only, I understand that she was only 19 at the time. They could have thought this wasn't well thought, you know, who knows what the situation was. So at that time, they said, come back with a lawyer. Well, at that time, that was a huge barrier for us because we couldn't afford 3000 bucks for a lawyer or, and then another thousand for her. That was literally like telling us, go to the top of the mountain. And when you go back from the top of the mountain, get, uh, the, you know, it was just like, we just couldn't, it was not in our reality in, the, in those days, Right. And we put all our money into that house and looked at we literally were just some struggling people paycheck to paycheck saying one day we will. Well, then um, and ultimately it was probably good because I don't think our case was as strong in that in that time. But since then, we've had literally a decade where like, honestly, in every single way, she's lived with us, not live with us. You know, like she, obviously she moved out, she's gone to school, she's come back, she lived with us at different times, in different places. We've always been the support where, like, she is a sibling to our son. She is, you know, in every single way, you know, she's a daughter. And so finally, now that things are better and our circumstances are better, and now we're able to, you know, say, okay, now I think we can come up with that. You know, next you put one paycheck together, and the next week paycheck. Now we got three thousand bucks. Okay, now we can do it. You know. Um, and then, and then this, you know, this year specifically, and she's pregnant this year, and she came to us and said, "Remember that thing we keep on talking about? Are we going to do that?" And we're like, "Yes, please, let's do it." Because now that she's pregnant, she wants to also ensure for the baby that it's written in the law. Because right now we have no legal relationship by blood. She's my husband's close relative, his niece, and my son's close relative or his cousin. But by law, nothing. By law, we're friends. There's nothing, and we are. I know that's just funny, you know what I mean? Because like, no, we're like, it's not just a matter of our, we, we call each other mother and daughter, everybody in our lives, every, by every reality, by every spectrum, by every rule or you know what i mean there's everybody that we're just that's it that's the relationship so now we're at 28 now we're just literally employed you know it paid and retained a lawyer and um who's now retaining a lawyer for her because she has to have her own separate counsel that goes into you know explains to her make sure she signs off and understands you know all the ramifications or whatever and then she signs off that yep i want to do it then there's a 21 day waiting period where we can't do anything because it gives her the opportunity to change her mind right and then after that we proceed and um I believe they notify the birth family, but my daughter's hoping that they don't because, you know, there's never been anything good but trauma and nastiness. And while she's pregnant, it's not something she necessarily wants to deal with more conversations and more bullets and more, you know, bearage from that thing. So, but, but, you know, I understand that they, they, 
you know, has been notified about something like that. So we're kind of waiting with bated breath to see what kind of drama trauma that might be throwing her way on that. But um, but I think we generally all feel positive now. Like all the conversations have been had, all the negativity has been thrown away, which kind of made her feel stronger and more, you know, secure in what she's doing and more, you know, convinced about what she's doing, which she already was for a decade. And this is, so now we're just doing what we've all, like, again, we're just literally putting into place what's already been the reality for the last 10 years, what we all thought of that first day was, and it was the four of us sitting there. It's funny, we all laugh. And the moment that it came was none of us ever thought about adult adoption until that moment. She was just turned 18. We were sitting in our office still in that small town when all this stuff was still going on. And I went to the bathroom and I came out, you know, like just a random thought. I was, and I came out, I remember coming up, hey, you guys, you know what? And and, and I, when I said it, I was almost shy to say it because, you know, I, I thought Haley's going to say, it, but my daughter's going to be like, oh, what the heck? You guys are crazy. What, what are you talking about? You know, like, that's silly. I thought that was the reaction. But right away, she was like, I was kind of thinking that. And I was like, what? And my husband right away was like, yep. Like, literally, there's no, like, talking about it secretly in the other room and then addressing me. Literally, just, I'm like, you know what I was thinking? And she's like, so was I. And my husband was like, on it. And then my my baby was asleep. He was, like, almost four. And the weirdest thing, he came in the next morning. I don't know if he must have heard it at night or passed by. Maybe he went to the bathroom, heard the conversation. We were, and we didn't realize it or whatever. But in the morning, we we're literally like, hey, guess what? And he's like, what, my cousin's going to be my sister? We're like, Yeah. yeah and so that's what that's where we've been doing and you know well and i was i got a grandbaby coming yeah yeah congrats well and and, you know i think you answered this already but that was one of the questions i was going to ask is like the legal side of it what's is is there a point to the the adult adoption but that makes sense with with you know her having a child on the way and also i think the same point is why would you ever adopt even a teenager if you know they're already almost going to be an adult two more years going to be an adult why would you but you know what like i've been a parent to her for the last 10 years i remember you know and not just it's not for us it's that you're still parenting all those years and someone who's like keep on parenting you know it doesn't stop and and that stability the same reason a kid needs that stability and support and that absolute understanding that they are loved and that they are like intrinsically part of the family that doesn't change when you turn 18 i think it's only i've even seen a change even with the 10 years and then i've even seen her change since we made with the move on it i feel like even she feels even more secure even though she already was super secure so it's like i i I, it doesn't just change we don't just age out you know how do you you know why are you still ptsd why you you don't feel love you don't have that internal stability you don't have that you know and you're never going to be able to replace that those years, you're never going to, I can't put a bandaid on as much as I'd like to and fix all of that. Right. But I really see the difference that, you know, it's made to like, that she verbalizes that it's made. Yeah. that That's really important. And I think, you know, you touched on that at the beginning, talking about your husband, finding out about the fact that he was adopted and how that, that affected him. Mm, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it's a strange, you know. So our story is that the, you know, he found his birth family. It originally went well, then it actually went really bad because we the way that we had, you know, when we stood up and said this this ain't right and defended, you know, our daughter or niece at the time, it was not taken well and everybody went around, you know, and obviously we we didn't care. We were like, well, you know what? I don't have any my husband said, I don't care whose mother that is, meaning his mother. I don't care whose mother that is. I don't like the way that person's treating that little girl. And you know, we already made a commitment, not just to each other, but to the courts, to the BC, to, you know, to say that this person will have a safe space in her home. And so I'm going to come, you know, like that, make sure that happens at least 18. And then after that, it was like, well, you know what, why would it stop now? Still, you know, 
you're still a vulnerable kid all through your 20s. I mean, now she's 28 now. And I'm sure I'm not saying she, I mean, she was smart and brilliant all the time, but you know, you still think about the reality of as you as you're growing up, you're still, you know, you're I don't think you really well actually yeah, you don't until you're with 30. We're not really the stable and secure and whatever where we're gonna be. We still need, you know, and even now she's partnered, she's gonna a mom, but now she's like, no, but she doesn't, you know, she wants that baby, never to be any question where the family is, who the family is, no chains, no pulling, no question, no, none of the drama and trauma that she's dealt with to be in the baby's life. And she, you know, this is the where she's got stability and, and her, and her partner agrees and he knows us and loves us and doesn't know, you know? And so that's what we just wanted to put the law to put into place the reality that already exists. So sure we could just not spend the money and just keep on saying it, but you know, why not actually do? And if the courts come back and put, and, and said no, say they, we did it and the courts came back and said no, and then we wasted all that money. Well, I don't still don't think that would be a waste because then she'd know that. Anyway, we went all the way, right? We didn't just say we went every single step and we went, we could. And to us, that's, we did everything we could. And then, and to every extent, they said that the lawyer said, oh, you have another child. Oh, and I said, yeah, almost 18 year old son. And she said, oh, well, you, this is after we paid her. Oh, well, you know, this is, this would have, <laughs> you know, this would affect inheritance and stuff, right? <laughs> I'm like, exactly. Yeah. That's the whole point. We want it to be like, there's no question. When I die, I don't want, you know, my money to go to my son and ignore my daughter, or alternately, I also don't want my money to go to my son and on the record, some girl <laughs> that I'm a friend. <laughs> no, that's my daughter. It's always, you know, so we want that to be and for all reasons, for all reasons of, you know, and sure there are things, you know, we could do power of attorney, we could do all kinds of things that would replace that some of the things that are necessary, you know, like if we were thinking about illness, power of attorney, if we're thinking about whatever, there are things you can do that would be on the adoption. I will certainly do if we have to, but like, no, we want it to be enshrined in law. What it, you know, just what it is. Our family should be, you know, like any other family, we want it to be respected where, you know, what the reality of our life for the last 12 years. Yeah. I feel like it's, it's in a way it's, it's just, um, a method of, of telling your truth of speaking your truth to the world and letting the world see what you're living. Yeah. And they are like, I mean, anybody who knows the faith that they will, if I, if I was to post, Hey, we just adopted our daughter. People would be like, wait a minute. What? Number one, she's not your daughter. Or number two, she wasn't already like people would just, you know, it's not, we've just already had that. We just didn't have, you know, we, we went to the lawyer and, you know, even when we first met, we tried or the judge and they said, come back with lawyers. And I understand because it's, you know, it's not common. It's a ba- a major import. It's, you know, you can't go back on it. It's life changing for everybody. So I understand that they didn't want to, they weren't comfortable with people just coming in and saying, oh, please fill this form judge. They wanted it to be like, they were not even familiar with it. So they wanted it to be like, you have a lawyer, they have a lawyer, everything's, you know, boom, boom, boom. And then it took 10 years before we could come back and do that. But in the long run, I think that 10 years makes our case stronger because now there's nobody that can look at our lives, can look at our 10 years of social media. You can't fake that 10 years of social media. You know how Facebook memories come up five years ago, this, six years ago, that. It's all my daughter, my daughter, my daughter. Here we are. Like our lifetime is there and it's always been family, you know, for like at least a decade we've been using that language. You know, and that's one of those interesting things that's new to, I think our generation is, is the first generation that's really seen it. And that's that, how those memories come back up all the time and tell the story of, of our history of our life. And, and I think that's one of the, the beautiful things about Facebook. God knows there's plenty of things that aren't beautiful about Facebook, yeah. but that's one of the oh, things yeah. that is, is that you can look back and see what your, what your history has been, your story, what, what legacy you're going to leave behind for your kids to, to grow from. 
especially now that it's a decade, right? I was thinking the same thing. I was like, 10 years, 12 years ago, something came up about my son. 12 years ago, and I was like, 12 years on Facebook. Wow, now I kind of feel like I've got to get one of those computer things and download it all because, you know, that's literally a lifetime now of memories. That if I don't, you know, my access to my account, that would be pretty horrible. We have some, quite a few of our own memories, you know, kids who, well, and we don't have too much for kids who are, who are in foster care, who've been part of our family, just with privacy laws, we don't post stuff with those kids. Um, Mm -hmm. But with, with all the other kids we have, I mean, we've got lots and lots and lots of stuff. It's, as a matter of fact, the very first two kids we ever fostered end up um, becoming adopted here and they've been with us ever since. And so at one point when those adoptions were finalized and we had legal rights to, to be able to post whatever we wanted to on Facebook, there was a, there was a photo dump to the Facebook account that was pretty dang deep. <laughs> you know, we had tons of photos because a few years before we had planned a, this big uh, vacation trip, we'd gone down to the Southern tip of Texas and to sit on the beach and, and then go climb on a, on a, uh, quote unquote deep sea fishing boat, which was really just just some guy's boat that I don't know where he got this thing from. It was like an old miniature freighter, but we went out in the bay and and caught little sharks and had a blast. Oh, wow. and, and so from that from that time forward, you know, we, we knew we wanted to have some good pictures. We bought a nice camera and we'd been taking pictures for probably Oh, it's been a decade and a half with that camera. And I, I want to say we, we probably dumped four or 500 pictures into Facebook on the day that the adoption was finalized because we could finally. And our, our story is just documented there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. That must have been such a great day. I'm so glad you had that. Oh yeah. And then we've, we've actually adopted four total. And, and so the other, the other two were kind of the same way, you know, we, we had been, filling up those, those memory cards with lots and lots of pictures, but now we have a place to put them out there and then hang on to them because it, it just documents what life was for these kids. And for kids who come out of something that was, was not a pleasant beginning, I guess would be a nice way to put it for them yeah. to be able to see, you know, because, you know, turtle was what one when he came to our house, Frankie was more or less a newborn to Sean and Janiah were two and three years old. So there's a lot of that stuff that they won't remember stuff they won't remember but they'll be able to later on in life go back and yeah, you, know. you know you remember stuff from seeing a picture like i remember i swear i remember a day when i was three but i think it's only like i swear i have a memory of reaching up into like purple blossoms in a tree and i was wearing a little purple dress and i like i, I was sure it was a memory and then my mom sent me a photo album and there's a picture of me at exact thing so now i don't know if i saw that picture and i remember that but i, I swear i still remember that and it could be just because that picture was there that i saw it growing up too that that day was imprinted in my mind you know what i mean so yeah you, those pictures are important but just the same way that you you said your husband was was looking for those those parts of who he was and where he came from and understanding that it's an opportunity to give a lot of those pieces of the past to the kids of our future without without having to uh to do a whole lot you know facebook will remind them of those pictures down the road yeah. sometime too yeah Aww. So yeah, it, it's it's been an interesting journey for us dealing with a lot of kids who have uh who have some stories that may not be uh, what you would consider a traditional story, but but they can still be beautiful stories. And it sounds like that's what you guys really have. And you guys too, yeah, that's really amazing work. Like that's really takes a real strength of heart to be able to do that over and over and over and over and over again. Either that or insanity. 
a little bit of both. It's, brave is always a little, you got to be a little bit insane, shake and jump or whatever, right? To be like, <laughs> no, I'll take that on instead of watching Netflix, you know? <laughs> That's the same with everything. It's like I say about, you know, the free the innocent die from death row thing. People, I'm sort of doing you know podcast just about that and they'll be like oh wow that's really epic oh my god and yeah you can't tell a story like that without you know 20 year campaign without it being epic in some way but in the same way just like you guys incredibly epic but when you live it that's just your passion and you don't see any other way and that's just when you're you know and you just re you realize that more people would do stuff like that like free the innocent guy from death row or like take kids in their home if they really felt like they actually had the power the the ability to make a difference and to do it, you know, but a lot of people just don't because they feel like things are too big or they're not capable of it or, but really it's, you know, everyone's capable of, of something like that, you know, it may not be the, 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 what you've done, but I mean, if someone's mom and they're capable, they, they maybe are capable of it if they thought about doing it, but we don't put ourselves in the position of, you know, doing heroic things very often. Instead, we watch people doing heroic things on TV. Yes, you're right. I think that's what most people do is they, they sit there and they stare at that, what my dad used to like to call the idiot box and yeah. other people do epic <laughs> things. And, and we forget that sometimes it's just about going out and living a life that matters. And, you know, that, that's why we, we reach out and we try and find people like, like you and your husband who have been through something like this, who have lived an epic story and try to tell people this so that they know, Hey, this is, this is like a real possible thing. This is something that you could do too. It's not that awful stinking hard, I promise, because we were able to do it. Yeah, and the, to speak on the adult adoption thing too, I've learned it's actually become a lot more common. It's usually a situation of a step parent, so it's a really, really common now. I, you know, increasingly so in situations where you know, like similar situation, like we've had. You know, they've had ten years of. Uh, a relationship, but, but it, you know, it's been a step parent relationship, but maybe the child now grown in, in their twenties, but ha has no, you know, had had no contact or no relationship with the, the the natural parent. So they have the birth mother, right, and then a pair of father, or, or you know, on or the other way around. I'm sure it happens too, but most commonly, the father who's on the birth certificate, but they've literally never seen him or heard him, so there's no relationship, there's no real father, there's no there's no name on a birth certificate, right? And then the stepfather has been literally been the father for ten years, for fifteen years, and then they hear, oh wow, you mean you can actually adopt him? Well, I want to do that for, and it, it's quite often for you know for um for for issues of you know we want them to you know inheritance stuff like that. I know you can you know you can give without but no like we want you know you want it to be without question that's your kid you're giving to your kid you know that's just one of the things there's all kinds of reasons too like what, what if something happened to our daughter you know who's got a disability and she now that she's going to be married it's a different story right because he's going to be the primary but, but previously they're on the record as as, as the next family they would be the ones to be making the decision of anything they'd be pulling the goddamn plug you know on her and making any lifetime decisions and we'd be locked out of the hospital room because he his buddies or something yeah, that medical power of attorney is a big thing. Yeah, so that's obviously what we, and she's got us down as, you know, the next, all that stuff. But still, you know, I just want, we just all want to be without question. And then when there's the, the, the grandchild coming without question, just, you know, she deserves that. We deserve that. It's just the reality of the situation. And we want it to be, you know, reflected in, in the, it's like you said, the truth to be reflected everywhere. And it's, it sounds like Canada's getting to the point where they're allowing you guys to be able to do that more. I know adult adoption has been a, a more common thing here in the States for a while. I've known several people who've, <clears throat> who've talked about that, who've done that 
or, or either been adopted or adopted a kid or I guess mm-hmm. an adult at that point in their life. And yeah, I don't know anybody like that other than there's a famous, you know, Kevin O'Leary, who's a famous TV guy. I think he's got a presence in the States too, but he was, if you go up here, he was like a shark tank kind of guy, you know, one of those things. And he, he's like, a, he's like an older guy, but he, he very famously was the, the child, you know, the, adoptee in an adult adoption i don't know at what age but yeah that's the only story that i ever heard of where i knew a per- of a person or other than just you know a couple of case law that i found which is getting more common with i guess the stepfather but i mean it makes so much i'm surprised it's not more common when you think about especially step things like a step-parent relationship where they you know which is similar to our situation or you know only even more you know obvious already absolutely yeah i have a um I, I don't know what you would call Timmy legally speaking. Um, my dad remarried after him and my mom divorced and I've just always referred to his grandma Alta because we've had kids and, and the kids just call her grandma. But I guess my stepmom she had a grandson through one of her biological daughters and she had, she, um, she had a nasty disease and they ended up taking him in and raising him. So he would either be like a stepbrother or a nephew or, uh, so, you know, and that's where it gets really complicated when you start talking about things like that. And so to have that enshrined in some law to be able to, to walk in and when there's a medical necessity, when there is something that has to do with somebody who's been disabled, somebody who was in a car wreck and somebody has got to make some decisions. Yeah. To know that the people making those decisions truly had that person's best interest at heart. Exactly. That's really important. And, you know, we, we've been through that, through that struggle as well. Our, um, our oldest daughter is, uh, legally speaking, my sister-in-law. Yes. It's my wife's half sister, but, um, but she lived in our house. She called me dad. She called my wife, mom. And when she became really ill with the disease, um, fortunately before she got too bad off, she was able to, uh, to sign that her medical power of attorney over to my wife, because that's who she wanted to take care of things. And it was, we were really fortunate that that was the case and, and that she was able to take care of all of her needs because without that, without either the the paperwork signed or, or the lawn intact where you can do that, it leaves you with not really knowing the, the mental stability, the safety, the, 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 whether or not they care about, that other person, because that's, that's always a question mark when you're dealing. Yeah, exactly. And that's huge. I mean, you can't assume that they, that people have the best interest at heart. You just can't. Well, yeah. And we had no rights. Yeah. That's what, that's my big, what our big fear was, was like, Oh my God, can you imagine if, you know, that person was obviously was suddenly called to make the decision where you're like, your heart raises up for Like literally, you know, <laughs> just, it would just, <laughs> you know, and then you're in the back going, uh, and they're like, Oh, were you again? Hold on, let me pull this. Uh, and then the child's incapacitated, or you know, the person, they, the, so they can't speak for themselves. And yeah, yeah, it's a real challenge. So I, I commend you and your husband for stepping out and working so hard for so many years, not just to provide a safe space for for a, a kid who's not your biological child to stay in, but to go and chase down the legalities around making sure that she stays safe. And, and oh well she's a pleasure and a joy i mean we, you know i always feel uncomfortable when people are like oh you've done a good thing because like we're i can't even imagine literally can't imagine our family without her i feel like we're so lucky that all uh, that drama and trauma happened you know we went through all that bullshit and we still did for years and years because without it like what would be the alternative we wouldn't have met her like i can't even imagine that you know you're such an intrinsic part of our family so i, I totally understand <laughs> 
Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, that, that's just, it's, it's a, a, just a testament to you guys's goal to, uh, is not to gain something out of somebody else or, or get the accolades for doing something, but rather to be truly concerned about another human being that matters in your life. Exactly. Yeah. That's what it's all about. Right. I mean, these are people and individual souls and not causes. They're like amazing people. We're privileged to get a front row seat to whatever they're going to do with their lives. That's how I feel. All right. All right. Well, Hey, I just want to reach, reach the, you know, the end of this with, well, no, I don't want to reach the end of this. I was going to say that right. English isn't working today. I might have to work on that. I, I don't want to get to the end of this without just saying thank you for spending your time today and telling your story because you and your husband had quite a story alone. And then you add in the, uh, add in uh, the daughter, the story of your daughter. That really, that's quite the story. And she's got her own story. Like I said, she's developing her own story. And she's made, I mean, if you Google her name one day, like she's made news on her own. She's been an advocate for, you know, disability, right? We made front page news, you know, with the, in the Toronto Star, where she was speaking up for, you know, for herself and for others, you know, on disability issues and a uh, whole bunch of stuff. She's been an activist. She walked when she was 17, she when we just barely met her. She walked like, 17 miles between cities or kilometers between cities for an animal rights cause, you know, back in there when we got some newspaper. So she's literally always been a passionate, you know, little um, activist and advocate when she was young. And now, and now she's a strong woman doing all kinds of, you know, advocacy stuff and on her way to medical school. So I don't know what they were talking about, what kid they saw when they had all this bad rhetoric about her, you know, <laughs> like literally she was interviewed on the, new, on the radio at 17 and they literally said at 17 years old, every parent should have a daughter like this kid. Other parents should turn to their kids and say, why can't you be more like her? Talking about her <laughs> walking and raising. And meanwhile, there was literally the same time when there's all this like negative rhetoric and oh, she has attachment. It was just also untrue, but a lot of people pile things on wherever the easy target is. Because, you know, and so there's healing and hope going on and all that stuff. And I hope they can, all those people who ever said those things about her someday see that, you know, the, to the truth, the brilliant person she's always been. But she just needed to be, you know, held up and risen. And she has. She's like, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just sitting back and watching her go now. That's awesome. That's awesome. Okay, Foster Care Nation. Thank you for listening to Tracy's story. Now take her knowledge and wisdom to heart so you can create love and healing in your family and community. Be sure to come back next week. We have new episodes every Tuesday. If you'd like to share your story as a guest on our podcast, you can reach us at fostercareuj at gmail.com. You can connect with other like-minded people on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash fostercareuj. And don't forget, we have an account over at Buy Me A Coffee where you can support our mission. It's at buymeacoffee.com slash foster care. The links to everything are in the show notes on your podcast player or at fosterCareNation.com. And as always, you are so super awesome. I thank you guys. So cool, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for listening. Thanks, thanks, thanks.